Let's go ahead and take our Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter number 1. Mark chapter number 1. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 29. But let's go ahead and stand to our feet out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter 1, verse number 29. Here we are in this Gospel jumping headlong into the activity, the words and the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come to this part of the, the work of Christ in which his hands are active, which he is ministering to those in need. And as we read tonight, and I, I know that you probably always do this, but sometimes I have to slow down and remind myself as I read this word. To open my eyes and to watch it happen in front of me. And I'd like to invite you to join that company of disciples that is following Jesus. I want you to hear the, the footsteps of Jesus and those around you as we make our way down that dirt road, that hillside descending towards the Sea of Galilee. I want you to see the sun above and the clear blue sky and the multitudes gathering below. I want you to hear the anxiety and the anxiousness within Simon's voice for his mother-in-law is sick. And he wants Jesus to heal her. Mark chapter 1 verse 29 and forthwith, then when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered in the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And anon they tell him of her, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left. It left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they found him, they said unto him, All men seek thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and, and cast out devils. Lord, we just want to see you this evening. Lord, we want to gather in that number of your company that was able to open their eyes and see the work of your hands. Lord, our ears want to hear your voice as you speak words of comfort and guidance. Lord, we want to hear your words as they rebuke devils, teach saints, and comfort the hurting. Lord, we want to see you as you kneel down to pray to your Father, which is also ours. And Father, we want to learn 
of your son and be conformed to his image. And Lord, I pray that you would empty me of myself and fill me with your spirit for that task. Draw us in to your presence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I would love to get a glimpse of Jesus. One day I'll get more than a glimpse, but I will see him face to face. With great expectation I live for that day. Although I know exactly what will happen when I come into his presence and at the very moment where I think that I will glimpse into his face, my knees will crumble and I will fall not at his hands nor at his face, but at his feet. And I will bow before him and I will say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, Thou art worthy. And I will declare him to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I will worship him there. Oh, in that day he'll be robed in glory and majesty and strength and honor. All the power is in his hand and there he is, magnificent and majestic, high and holy. And the angels will be there, swarmed about his throne, crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Oh, but to get a glimpse of Jesus, as the disciples got a glimpse of Jesus, or as Mary did, or the shepherds that were there. Watching and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And I can easily put on that shepherd's coat and that shepherd's staff and stand in awe at the glory of this pronouncement that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Oh, and now with great anxiousness, I want to see him and I can imagine in my mind making my way through the darkness of the night, seeing the distant lights of Bethlehem and coming upon this place where there is a little child in a manger and not, not so bold as to go in, I'll leave that to the other shepherds, but just moving the curtain to the side of that stable that I might see this tender face, the one whose mother named him Jesus. I want to get a glimpse of Jesus. I could put myself there on the shores of the Jordan as this, this wild man is out there in the wilderness, the one that they call John the baptizer, as he makes pronouncements to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. My heart urges with great desire to see that kingdom, to be a part of that kingdom. And I am burdened about my sin if I be the one that is preventing that kingdom's arrival. And then at the back of this crowd, just trying to look over the multitude of the people that are there on the banks of the Jordan, I see the gaze of John as his finger points to a man that is descending on the hillside. And I hear this word, be Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And my eyes follow that finger to this man. Not all that I expected. 
But this man descending down from the hilltops, stepping down into that water with John, and there they are, face to face, and the most unusual thing happens as they discuss between themselves, and then finally, with overwhelming sense of humility, this reed shaking in the wilderness, this mighty prophet of God, baptizes this man and I hear this voice this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased hear ye him I want to get a glimpse of Jesus I hear the rumors about those followers of John, how Andrew and John were watching Jesus curiously and one day they were following after him and Jesus, as it were, stopped in his footsteps and turned around to those disciples of John and they began to inquire of him rather boldly, I, I might add, inquire of him where he was living and what he was doing and, and what he was saying and what his message was and they told me that his words were simply this, come and see. And he invited the men to come and to see. Later we heard his words, how he said, Come unto me, all ye that, are, that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, Take my yoke upon you. And he made this statement. He said, And learn of me. I want to see Jesus. I want to learn of him. Later, as he came into Jerusalem, as, as men and women were snapping branches off palm trees, and they were laying them in the way as Jesus, this one whom we saw coming, who has pronounced that this is the Lamb of God, was coming into Jerusalem. And here it was. It was the, the climax of his ministry. And they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. And as I looked through the crowd, I saw him coming. I saw him coming and there were Greeks that were among them and they were gathered for this feast and they came to Andrew and to Philip and they, and they said that, sirs, we would see Jesus. They just wanted to see him. They just wanted to see him that they might learn of him. And this evening I'd like to preach a message entitled A Window into his work. So many times we learn about Jesus. And that's a very good thing. And we talk about Jesus and that's a good thing. And we pray in Jesus' name and that is a wonderful thing. But I think that if we are going to walk in his likeness every now and then we need to step up to the window of his work and peer in that we might watch Jesus and learn of him. In this text, I can see that there are others who have already caught on to this and others that are watching him with great intent to see what the Lord might do. At the top of my Bible's page, I have inscribed St. Mark, chapter number 1, I don't know that Jesus ever referred to him as, why St. Mark? But there he, there he was, watching, learning. 
There were others. There were Simon and, and Andrew and James and John. And as they gathered closely to Jesus and they watched intently, they peered through the window of Jesus' life and ministry and, and work that they might learn of Him. And that is our goal tonight. To just watch Jesus and learn of Him. I want you to notice that it was not just those disciples, but in verse number 33, I want you to, to gather around this company as the Bible says that all the city was gathered together at the door and here was Jesus within the confines of this room, this house, if you will, healing others of diverse diseases and, and casting out demons and, and doing an incredible work there long after the sun had set. And it says in our Bibles that the whole city is gathered there by the door and yes there are many that urgently want to get in because they themselves have need but there are others who are just watching they're watching this this man from Galilee who was prophesied of God that he would come and to take away the sins of the world and they're watching him I want to stand in that doorway tonight and I want to watch him As I look with a window into his work, I, I notice, first off, his hand. His hand. We hear the phrase, well, I know that like the back of my hand. These two hands are the only hands that I have. I am right-handed. I don't know about, about you. I am right-handed. I am a conservative. You left-handed people I worry about. <laughs> but I look down at my hands and, and there's no doubt that they're real. I can clap my hands. I can pick things up. I can let them down. But should we remind ourselves this evening that the very Son of God was robed in flesh that had two hands. And in this passage we learn that He does a work with His hands. Look with me and I want you to peer very closely and I want you to see the very person of Jesus. Not just the words on your page and not just the expression of his face. Not just the dust at his feet. But I want you to look at his hands. Look at the posture of Jesus in verse number 31. As Jesus leans over and extends his hand down to this woman that is sick. And the Bible says that he came and took her by the hand. And I want you to look so intimately, so closely that you see the fingers of Jesus wrapping around the hand of this woman. Why don't we observe his work here tonight? It was Jesus who reached out to her I began to make some observations about the work and the ministry of Jesus as I looked through the window of his actions. As Jesus reaches down to her, I noticed that there's no distance between the sick and the Savior. But instead, that they are clasping hands, the sick in the hand of the Savior, her hand in his, and his hand holding hers. It reminds me of a few other times where Jesus decided that there would be no distance between those in need of help and the reach of His hand. I remember one of the men that are present here later walking upon a sea that was boisterous and the waves and the wind were pounding down and, and there in this miraculous moment, Peter was walking on the water. 
But as he was distracted, he prayed the shortest prayer in the Bible. And he said these simple words, Lord, save me. And the Bible says immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. There's another time where Jesus is coming down from a high mountain and the multitudes are following him. And I don't know what the phraseology of that does in the imagination of your mind. But I can see Jesus walking down the singular, solitary and humble individual. And then over the mountains and in the ridge of that place comes this army of ants almost following after Jesus. This multitude of people. They're pressing upon him now. and There's hardly any distance between Jesus and this multitude. And there is a man stricken with leprosy. His flesh rotting off his body, his face drooping, and his death sentence has already been assigned. It's just the number of days before his flesh becomes this oozing puddle at his feet and his life is gone. He kneels before Jesus. In Matthew chapter number 8, we look into the face of Jesus, but more importantly, we watch the hand of Jesus move from resting by his side to being put forth his hand. The Bible says he touched him saying, I will be thou clean. You see, there is no distance between the hand of Jesus and the one in need. For it was Jesus' hands that were always extended, extended to this woman here, diseased in this bed, that he might lift her up. Jesus extended to that man who once was of great faith, but then lacking faith to pull him out of the water. His hand extended to the leprous, leprous man who was knelt down there at his feet as Jesus reached forth that those men might be healed. But I am reminded of another time in which Jesus extended his hand. And there was a bloody trail that led through the streets of Jerusalem to a mountain, a hillside called Calvary. And there was a wooden beam that Jesus' hand was laid down upon. And a Roman nail spiked through it. You say, well, Pastor Jared, why are you telling us all these things? Because every now and then we need to just peer through the window and look at his work. And see his hand. Because the same Jesus that extended his hand then extends his hand now. Amen. And it doesn't matter how wretched your sin might be. Or how weak your faith might be as in the case of Peter. It doesn't matter uh, how close you have been with him or how distant you have been. What you need to know is that he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And it is the hand of Jesus that is extended out to you tonight that you might clasp his hand in yours and be led and lifted and loved. I know it's not just his hand, but I, I can't help but mistake what he's doing with his hand. It's not just his hand, it's his help. Look with me, if you would, please, as we move through this passage, verse 31. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. 
And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And notice what it says in verse number 33. And all the city was gathered together at the door. Here it is. He's finally got the audience. He's finally got the platform. He's been healing. He healed this woman. Now the whole city is gathered around. And what does he do? Does he tell the disciples, quick, go grab the pulpit, go grab the scriptures, bring them together that I might instruct this people. No, that's not what he does. Now, don't mistake what I am about to tell you, that he is the word made flesh and that word dwelt among us. He declared righteousness and he declared the word of God in the land of the living. There is no doubt that he did much teaching and, and the Bible is full of that. But I, I notice that it's not just about his hand. It's not just about his teaching. It's about his help. And here, while everyone is gathered outside this door, look at his response. Verse 34, and he healed many that were sick. And I see not just his hand, but his help. With the attention that he commanded, and yet it was the service of his heart to heal don't just watch, however, what he does. Pay attention to where he does it. To where he does it. He's not in some palace. These people didn't pay entrance. Nor are we not going to be charging admission to church. He is not in some lofty place. He is in some meager Poor fisherman's village hanging out with those lower levels of society. Don't just look at what he did. Look about where he did it. If you're in that low place tonight, if you're on so far from the presence and the grace of God, open your eyes. Quit listening to the thundering and drowning voices of the Pharisees and those that, that say that you've got to come a certain way at a certain time with a certain dress and a certain um, 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 pretense. No, just get to where Jesus is. And that's where you'll find him doing his work. That's where you'll find him helping Notice not just what he does, but pay attention to where he does it. Look at verse number 34. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. Consider this as we watch Jesus do this helping work of ministry in the lives of, of those who are there. Who was it that was vexing the people with disease? Who was, was attacking the people with demon possession. It was the devils themselves. And guess who's present? It's the devils. In fact, the Bible makes specific mention of the fact, both in the preceding text that leads up to this in, in this portion before we get to verse 29, but also here directly in verse number 34, at the very end it says that he suffered not the devils to speak because they knew of him. In other words, even as he was casting out devils, they were still there in the presence of Christ's work. I want you to think about this for a moment. No doubt there is a 
a dark influence that sometimes can show up in the presence of our lives. Well, no one seems to talk about this with such eloquence as the psalmist David. There's a point where that, that psalmist begins to describe those enemies that have compassed him about. In other words, he feels totally surrounded by those who oppose him. He describes, David describes his enemies at one point as bulls, strong bulls from Bashan. Uh, bulls that were tempting, that were attacking. And, and I, I think about the way that David describes that. How that sometimes we feel so surrounded by our enemies. And yet as I look him to the help of Jesus here. He's doing it in the presence, not just of his enemies, but also the enemies of those people. And I'm reminded of what the psalmist also says in Psalm 23, verse 5, how the Bible says concerning the work of the Lord, that thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And it paints this beautiful picture in our mind that as our enemies have gathered around us, where is the help of the Lord? It's right there in the midst of it. You want to learn of Jesus? Let's just watch him. Let's watch his hand. And watch his help. You know, I've, I've made mention that we, we don't just watch what he does, but we pay attention to where he does it. But I'd like to add one more thing to that. Don't just watch where he helps, but also when he helps. So many of us, we want to say, well, it's too late. Could you pay attention to what's happening as our attention has been captivated to the work of Jesus in the confines of this house? Could you peel yourself away from the crowd for just a moment and look above and notice that the sun is now set and the stars have come out? Verse number 32, And at even... When the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the sinners gathered together at the door. It's not just what he did and where he did it, but it's also when he did it. In those dark twilight hours, if you feel like you're in the twilight hours, you've got a Savior, Jesus Christ, who wants to help. Boy, sometimes even the most exciting moments, my body can become weary and I pull away from this crowd and I wipe my eyes and I see the crowd extending out of this house desiring to see Jesus, desiring to see Jesus and my feet are tired. I've been walking with them all day and I've seen the work that he did with his hand with, with the, the woman that was laid down and, and I thought, oh, what a glorious thing and my heart was overwhelmed and there's no fatigue like emotional fatigue, wouldn't we agree? <laughs> but that's why Sundays are so fatiguing for me. I go home, I want to put my feet up and not think about anything. I'm now tired and the crowds are still around and I draw back. I find a soft patch of hay and pull my fisherman's coat over me and I lay my head for just a bit. And, and as I'm listening, it reminds me 
When I was a boy, we would go out into the country. We had a cabin with no electricity, no plumbing. And when I was a boy, my parents would put us four kids in, the, in, the, in, in beds, just one room cabin, but they would remain outside by the campfire and my mom and dad would talk. And I could hear the soft crackle and pop of that, of that campfire and their soft voices as they spoke so kindly one to another. And as a child, it was so comforting to me and I would drift off to sleep in the most peaceful way. And as I'm gathered there listening to the shuffle of feet outside where Jesus is and the delight of those that are healed, I fall asleep. And I'm reminded that even as I sleep, Jesus helps and serves and watches and is awake. Oh, and I don't realize how long I've been, been sleeping and I'm startled and I don't hear those noises anymore and I'm a little disoriented, but I hear one set of footsteps lightly walking upon the ground and sure enough, as I peer through the darkness, still the sun has not risen. I see the silhouette of a figure and I know there's only one man with that silhouette and figure and that's Jesus. What's he doing? What time is it? And I read in verse 35 that in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. It's early, but out of my curiosity, I, I wrestle out of my, my own sleep and not to intrude on this precious moment I can see Jesus praying. When I watch my, I'm reminded of his hand the day before and his help, but what I see happening there has more to do with his harmony than anything else. It's a beautiful song, if you will, being sung between the Son and the Father, and there's no discord in it. And what's Jesus doing? He's communing with the Father. He's spending time with the one who he was sent by and for. And he has put himself away from the crowds and from the disciples and from every other thing. And what is he doing there? While everything is still still and quiet and dark, Jesus the Son and God the Father have come together in a harmonious accord of their desire for the work that needs to be done in the world. And I see a desire from the Son to be with the Father and the Father to be with the Son. And I have no idea about what's happening in the intimacy of that conversation. But I know that there's nothing but sweet, beloved harmony there. You know, we ought to learn of Jesus. Does that same harmony exist between us and Him? Or is it distant from us? Do we find ourselves kneeling in, in prayer and, and not feeling so alone, but instead we feel like we are in close communion with the Father and even in times where not a single audible word is spoken, you know that you are in the presence of God and under the authority of His Word. I see His harmony. 
and I watch for a while and I don't want it to, to end. And I notice that there's two rambunctious fellows that are kind of nervous about the fact that they can't find Jesus. And here they come over the hill, verse number, verse number 36. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. So I thought they were following him the whole time. Oh, no, no, no. They were chasing after him. Verse 37. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek thee. They pull him out of his prayer. Jesus, come on, come on, come on, come on. People are looking for you. People are looking for you. How, how can he disappeared? And Jesus doesn't get angry with them for they see the urgency of the work and, and he knows that it's time to be busy about the work. And they urge him, all men seek thee, all men seek thee. They're gathered at the house again, Jesus. Come on, come on. They're prepared. They're, they're ready. It's time to get to the work. And, and Jesus responds to them. And he said unto them, verse number 38, and he said unto them, let us go into the next towns. He didn't say the next town. He said the next towns. So what do you mean? You got a, you got a great thing going here, Jesus. No, there's more. There's more to be done is what he's saying. And as I look and I listen to the words of Jesus, as I look through that window into his work, I have seen his hand. I've seen his help. I've observed his harmony. But now he's beginning to explain his hope. His hope is not to stay in this singular town, but instead to go into all of those next towns. And why? That I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. And I see his hope. That his hope was to reach the world. Oh, I see him and I follow him from town after town and synagogue after synagogue. And I see those devising ways to trap him in his words and catch him. Oh, but Jesus, as I watch his hope, it's not deterred by their work. But he puts them to silence and he moves them to the side. And he slips through their persecution that he might bring this message again. And now we find him preaching and teaching in Jerusalem. And it seems like everybody is here listening and, and receiving his message. And, and his hope goes further. And his hope goes faster. And then he is there in that tomb. And we wonder what now will happen. And then up from the grave he arose. Oh, what a mighty triumph or his foes. And he arose a victor of a great and vast domain. Oh, and he reigns forever with his saints to reign. Oh, he arose, he arose. Oh, hallelujah, Christ arose. And what does he have to say about it before he ascends on high? He gathers us together. And he says, you've watched me now. And now it's your turn. He says, I need you to go. Go to all the world and preach the gospel. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. I want you to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Whatever you saw me do, that's what I want you to do. What you saw me be, that's what I want you to be. And he ascends 
unto the Father. And we have been given a, a window into His work. And church, now here we are. And it's time to pay very close attention to what Jesus does that we might do the same. That we might remember that His hand that reached out to the widow woman and re reached out to the sick woman and, and reached out to the leper and reached out to Peter. Now it is our turn to be His hand. And as his feet walked and went from town after town and city to city to share that, that message of his hope, that it is now our turn to go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. As Jesus helped, it wasn't about his platform, it wasn't about his stage, it was about the fact that he came to minister. And now it's our job to minister. The Lord never called His people to gather together to sit in pews except to be instructed in the Word and then to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the salt and light of the world. Make no mistake, the Bible tells us in the book of John that He was the light that shineth all men and now that He is on high, we are the light in this world to take that message. Oh, but lest us forget the harmony. And now it's our turn. Have that same harmony with the Father that Jesus did. And may we be reminded that that harmony is afforded us not because of our good deeds, not because you're a perfect person, but the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we come boldly before His throne and we do so by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's time. It's time both to watch and to work like Jesus. Jesus.